Lasting change starts with education. Here are the voices for our future that are inspiring meaningful change for the next generation. This episode of Voices for Our Future was produced by Bloom Communications and sponsored by Campus Advantage. Stephanie Herrera, a five-time Salesforce MVP, is a global leader and mentor for technology communities helping skill up and connect people. She is the founder of Salesforce Saturdays and Salesforce Women in Tech chapters and founder of the Austin Salesforce Women in Tech chapter, which she led for five years. Stephanie is also a co-founder of Pep Up Tech and a founding board member of Texas Dreamin'. She also serves on the board of directors for Maravis and Computer Futures. Stephanie enjoys using technology as a means for personal and professional development across all socioeconomic backgrounds using her own career path as a roadmap. Stephanie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jessica. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're really excited to have you. So I wanted to start off with something I watched to get to know you a little better before having you on Voices for Our Future, and that was your trailblazer story from Salesforce. You talked a lot about how you had this kind of non-traditional route into the tech industry. You loved school when you were younger, but weren't able to go to college. Your first job after high school was working in the cotton fields with your grandfather in West Texas. And then you later applied to a job at Dell, which you got. And now you're the global VP of the Salesforce practice at Computer Futures. Can you talk about your journey into the tech world and the ways in which your story and upbringing has kind of informed your work in the industry? Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, and just to clarify on the college part, I tried, you know, I did a semester, but I didn't have a car. I had to bum rides to work. And so it was even harder to get rides to go to school. I lived out, out in the country, out in a rural area, and there was no bus to hop on or subway to take or a taxi. Um, so it was really hard. So I did a semester and just I had to drop out. I didn't have resources and just continued to work. When I look back over my career and kind of reflect on how I got here, you know, life gets going and you're just like, you just go and go and go and something like just kind of happens to you and you're doing everything you can to survive. One of the impactful ones were obviously working in the fields with my grandfather, you know, from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. with a you know, 30 minute break and seeing that um, that was pretty much the only option we had. At the time, they lived in a two bedroom farmhouse and um, our house that was on the land of the people who owned it. Seeing that that was their only options, it gave me a great sense of responsibility that um, I had to do more and do better, not just for myself, but for them, so that all that hard work that they did for my mother and their, my aunts and uncles um, and us would mean something for them. Um, so I did feel a strong sense of responsibility to, to do well in life. Um, you know, both sets of grandparents only went to the third grade. Um, both my parents only went to the ninth grade and got their GEDs. So I didn't come from um, a family of college-educated or formally educated people. And I stress that because they were educated in life. They were hard workers. They were smart. They just didn't have the same access as others and didn't have um, a network to lean into. So that was always, I was always very aware of that. And um, so, you know, I, I did, I somehow got a job at Dell. And again, didn't have a college degree. Everybody there had a degree in a training class. You know, I, I didn't want to interview my my husband at the time was nagging me to go interview and just get him to shut up I did it so I didn't think I was going to get it I was in retail sales the great thing about Dell at the time is that they put you through a three-week intensive training program and every single day you were tested on product knowledge sales knowledge and how to use the system 
And every time I always scored in the top three and did very well each time, even though the first two days, I didn't even know how to turn on the computer. Someone could see that I was like petrified and they, they showed me how to turn it on and showed me how to navigate it. Um, and by the end of the three weeks, we had a final that we had to take and everybody stayed after class to study except for me. I went home. I was scared to death. I was full of anxiety. You know, I've had a very stressful childhood, so it takes a lot to stress me out. And I don't typically get anxiety. Um, I can pretty much handle anything, but I was petrified because at that point, I wanted the job. I felt like I found something that I was good at. And I felt like, okay, now they're going to find out that I don't belong here. And it was a mistake that they hired me. And so I was just like curled up in the ball and didn't even study. Um, and the next day I go in to take the exam. And with every exam, they let everybody know what your grade made. Like the whole class hears everybody's score. And I ended up scoring the second highest in the class. I got a 96 and I was so excited and so happy. I was like, yeah, I've got a future here. But immediately my class, all these people with college degrees turned on me and were like, you didn't stay and study. You didn't share your knowledge with us. You went home and didn't even participate. Um, now, they didn't know I was like curled up in a ball, like stressed out. But, you know, they were right. And that that's, that stuck with me that um, I should have stayed and at least tried to study and learn from them and share what I learned. And so after that, I, I that was always in my head. When I went to, I was on the temp team, I would call the queue. Anything I learned, I would share with my team. And it became for the team, which was predominantly guys who were more technical than I was when we started they eventually started turning their seats to me and like, hey, Stephanie, what's RAM? What is this? What, you know, asking me questions because I was I was learning and then sharing it because of my class that um, I had taken the exam with. And that's when I realized that that's how, what got me started on this path of being more confident in my ability and that, you know, you don't have to have a college degree to do well and, and to be capable of learning, learning and having that growth mindset. So I just continued to do that every team that I was on and we stilled each other up pretty quickly. Um, you know, I was at Dell for nine years and then um, that's when the startup world really started exploding and people were going to work for startups and we're like, you know, the people that I was still in touch with, like you have to go work for a small startup. It's a totally different world. You'll love it. And so I did that with two startups and that's how I found the Salesforce ecosystem. And they'd set it up, didn't know how to use it. And they're like, you know, you're smart, figure this out and you run it, own it. And I found I was really good at it. So um, I did that for a couple of years and then um, went to go work at Apple for a year and a half. Got to work there while Steve Jobs was at the helm. And, um, and then after that, though, I missed Salesforce so much. I updated my resume at the end of 2011, had three job offers and got offers on all three and took the one that paid the most, which was about a 50% pay increase over what I was making at Apple. And I wasn't making a lot. Um, and after that, that was the last time I went looking for a job at the end of 2012. After that, they all came to me. So yeah, so I, that was started my, my career working with recruiters. And then, you know, I started the women tech chapter because there weren't enough women doing what I did. And I'd grown up at Dell and Dell was very progressive and ahead of its time. There were females in leadership positions and managers and directors and VPs. I saw it all the time and I thought that was normal. I thought, you know, there were men and women that were leadership roles all the time. And when I left Dell to go work at small startups, I found out that I was wrong. It was shocking to me. Like, I was just like, whoa, where are all the women? There are these men, all, all men on boards, men leading everything. And they were great men and they were great mentors to me. But I knew having experienced what I experienced at Dell, that, I, that as female, I needed that female leadership as an example and to help me navigate my career from that perspective. So with Salesforce, I wasn't seeing that. So I created the Women in Tech chapters to go find the women, bring them in. It was from a selfish perspective. I wanted females to lean on. Um, and then also hoping to create 
female leaders and hoping to become a female leader um, but, but that I had because I knew how important it was for me. Um, and then later I you know, started Pep Up Tech with Selena Suarez because you know I was having all the success developing talent, but I wasn't seeing a lot of people that looked like me, Hispanics. Um, and she wanted to serve that community. I was like, you know, there's strength in numbers, so let's do this. At the same time, I also joined the board of Maribus, which is just like Pep Up Tech, but it's um, for veterans and their spouses. So um, I was doing that in many different groups. Um, it just kind of was something that came naturally to me because of where I came from and seeing how important access was because of my grandparents, because of the world that the only option that they had. I knew if they had had access, their path would have been a lot different. So for me, doing this is like one, scaling the luck. I'd always worked hard. But it, there was never, I never saw the money for the hard work that I did. Once I got into the Salesforce ecosystem, I finally started getting paid for the work that I was doing. So with Women in Tech and Pep Up Tech and Maribus, Salesforce Saturday, basically what we're trying to do is scale that luck and share it with more people and give them access um, to the opportunity because there's not enough to go around. And I personally want, wanted to retire with it. And my main goal at the time was just to make Austin, Texas the strongest Salesforce community and network to skill them up because we had so much tech here. In my mind, I was like, those people, we could easily transition into these roles. So that was my main goal was this Austin, Texas. And it ended up going global. All of these groups that we were a part of, it started here in Austin. Maribus started in Austin. Salesforce Saturday started in Austin. The Salesforce Women in Tech chapters started here in Austin and they've all gone global. Um, so I feel really proud that the things that I started here in Austin because of the diverse community that we do have here um, and the inclusiveness that I felt here that I didn't necessarily feel back home in Lubbock, Texas. And so I was able to see firsthand the difference of the environment, the type of support that you have and access, how that can change a person's life. And when you change a person's life like myself, they're so appreciative and so grateful they're going to turn around and multiply that and share it and bring it and give and what that does, especially for your own communities and where you live, it makes those communities stronger, um, more productive, more financially stable. I've listened to podcasts and read different articles about women who are in male dominant industries, which the tech industry is among others. And I've heard a lot of these women talk about how they still have imposter syndrome even if they don't show it, and even if they've been in the industry for a while or are extremely successful like yourself. Is that the case for you? And if it is, do you think it will ever go away? Oh, absolutely. Even after everything that I did, um, it still was. And it, it changed for me when I, in 2018 when I met Christina Jones. She's um, SVP at Salesforce for over Trailblazer, Trailblazer Marketing. She started working with me and the Pep Up Tech founders to do a film on Pep Up Tech. And um, she got us a coach. And I, you know, when I would introduce myself, I would, I would play down my, what, everything I did. I did uh, I'm Stephanie, I'm director of technology at Spreadfast. And I would, that would be it. I wouldn't say everything else. Um, because at one, I felt like it was a little obnoxious and people would get tired of it. And the coach was just, that she put me with Joanna Bloor. was like, you know, the reason when people ask you what you do, basically what they're saying is, why do you matter? And when she put it to me that way, it totally flipped a switch on my brain. Like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I matter. Because for so much of my life growing up, I was invisible. I didn't matter, even though I was really smart. But in West Texas, I was still a Mexican girl. I was still, that stereotype was still very strong. Um, so when she said that, that really triggered something in me. It's like, oh, well, no, wait a minute. I matter. And I'm going to tell you why. So now I do, I introduce myself very differently. 
but also with with what had become my brand was very warm. I'm I'm a very like glass half full positive perspective all about perspective like there's always a silver lining like my daughter will come to me she's you know grown and she's she'll want to she told me she'll she'll want to vent and I'm always trying to get her to see the other person's side and she goes mom sometimes I just want to vent and I don't want you to make me see the good in other people I just want to vent and so Christina when I met Christina Jones she's like you know you need to she's like this image is what you, you are always great but there's another side to you that you don't put out there is that you know you are your director at the time I was director of tech She's like, you own an instance, you are working with key stakeholders, you're, you're, you are helping the business be successful. She goes, and I know when you're in those rooms, you're not all happy and smiling, like you're serious and you're having to be in a mode to get things done. She goes, you're fierce. She goes, I don't want to see that side. I want to see you fierce. I want to see that, that image. And people need to see that. And it's okay to see that as a female, to be fierce and not be afraid of that. You know, as a, as a female, we're taught not to brag and we're taught to, you know, just you know, not don't don't rock the boat. In my personal life, I'll, I'll rock the boat and argue all day long. <laughs> Just as my family and my close friends. And Christina was really great because I still was like, you know, I don't get it. I don't understand. And Christina Jones was really great about making me see that and making me like own what I've accomplished and, and making me understand that what I've done was no easy task and that I should be proud and I should not play small. And if there, anybody has a problem with it, like, I don't need that. You don't need, they're not supporting of you anyway. You don't need to be worried about people like that because they're going to find, they're going to find something to knock you down anyway. You're going to have that. And so, yeah, I did. It was still, it took a while. And probably this last year, I've gotten more comfortable in my skin and, um, and owning and, and, and wanting to be like, you know, Hey, I, I, I add value and I need to get my equity and my worth and continue to fight, um, for, for what I've accomplished and making sure that um, I am being still being seen and being okay with doing that and not feel like I'm being entitled or um, like I, that it's, I'm a fluke or a flash in the pan, even though I've done this stuff consistently, it wasn't until Christina Jones came along and really changed the dialogue in my head and was just like, you are, you are fierce female and you, you need to own it. You need to be proud of it and stop playing small. I really love that advice and her take on it. So you are a co-founder of Pep Up Tech, which gives motivated, underserved students the access, skills, mentors, and confidence needed to begin careers in tech and help diversify the industry. When people hear students, they think in college. Initially, it was just was college with associate degrees, and that's where. And I was like, no, we need to also help people who never went to college and who are transitioning out of careers and looking for a second career. It's not just students, it's anybody. You motivated, underrepresented people in general. Um, so we need to update that because I think I feel like people think, oh, they're all just fresh out of college and they're not. So I want to know why you think representation in the tech industry is important. And have you seen any improvements in the last five to 10 years in regards to increased representation? I was reading an article from CNBC earlier today. It was published earlier this year, and it talked about how the massive tech companies like Apple and Facebook began publishing annual diversity reports in 2014, but few have made much ground, especially in hiring black employees. The article mentioned Facebook, for example, has gone from a workforce that was 3% black to now 3.8% black in the past six years, and other companies are also in the low single digits. What have you seen in the tech industry in, a, in regards to um, diversity and representation? Um, you know, when I started at Dell 22 years ago, 
Um, there were even fewer of us. And um, it, it's not grown fast enough. But I think now, because of social media, we're able to put a magnifying glass on it and say, and say, you got, you, you can't get away with not doing something about it. Um, and it's important because we all, you know, if, if, if it was all Hispanics or all black, that would not be okay. You need diversity of thought. And the only way to have that is to have people from different races and backgrounds and genders because you, you find each other's blind spots. When you're, when you're working with people who think just like you and have the same experiences, you're going to agree. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, because that's what you know. But when you bring in people who have had different experiences and have done different things, they are going to say, whoa, have you thought about this? Or what about this? We don't know what we don't know. That just makes us all stronger. And honestly, I want someone who thinks differently because one, that's more entertain- interesting. And I will ask more questions. I'll be more inquisitive. They're like, oh, I hadn't thought of that. And that's how you, that's the only way to grow is to, to be uncomfortable and to be challenged. If you're not challenged, then you're not thinking. You know, if you're just saying yes and disagree, that's not really, you're not problem solving, you're not brainstorming, and you're not being innovative. In order to be innovative, you've got to think differently. And when you have diverse people, that brings that about, or they'll ask stuff that you might assume because you've been in it, it's become like second nature and they're new and they've got a new lens on it and looking at it from a different perspective, we can ask a question that, again, they'll find that blind spot. Something that you didn't think about that could be um, a, that could be a gotcha. When it comes to collaboration, I think it's so important to have diversity of thought. That's, that's how you grow. That's how you scale. Um, and, you know, it's, just, it's, it's better for society and communities Everybody should be able to have a piece of the pie and not even the piece of like, here, let me show you how to make your own so you can go out and do it and you can have any, you make it the way you want to make it. Personally, in the Salesforce ecosystem, the world that I've been in, yeah, I've seen change because of Pep Up Tech. We've done it. You know, being at Dreamforce a few years ago and not hardly seeing any um, brown people. And then last year we went, they're all over the place because of what we created and they're in the jobs and they're on panels. I went to New York City for New York City World Tour and the user group was having a panel and it was all of our, you know, former students up there talking about the jobs they have. One was moderating it. You know, you believe what the media and society tells you. You believe that, that it's all just a bunch of old white men. Um, you know, when I was doing sales for Saturday, that's why I always took pictures because I noticed that the people that were coming to the coffee shop were a mixture of people. It just makes it more interesting. It just makes it more enjoyable when you have different kind of people interacting. You know, in any aspect, even like with Pep Up Tech, we were four women of color. We knew after a year and a half, in order to grow, we had to diversify. And we brought on white men onto our board. We brought on more people onto our board that were different from us because we knew we had to diversify, that they had something to offer to us. We are definitely diversifying tech. And I feel very proud of that. And Maravis does it too, even though that's not their goal, it's vets and their spouses, but a lot of people of color do go into the military and they go and they don't go in as officers. They don't have degrees. They are the enlisted. We serve those people and the, a lot of them are people of color. Um, so I'm very proud of both of those organizations that I work with that we, we're doing it and it can be done. You just have to be intentional with it. You have to give them a community and a support network to make them feel, feel welcome and wanted so that they stay because you can go get them and bring them in. But that doesn't mean they're going to stay. And that's just, it's the same that you see with working moms once they have children, keeping them there and making them feel like that they belong and that they're not 
um, a burden on the team and they're not a, you know, cause that, again, I was a mom. I know what that was like. And again, people like Christina Jones, Danny Cohen, they're in these worlds and they create space for someone like me to exist right there in their worlds with them so that I get access to the kind of people they have access. So then I can learn that and I can trickle it down to my community and show them, Hey, God, this is, this is how it's done. This is, this is what you don't know that you need to know on how to get up here into this world. So I'm sure business is not as usual at Pep Up Tech because of the pandemic. How are you guys innovating during this time? So we did a virtual fundraiser to raise money so that we could um, open it up to anybody that lost their job. So if you lost your job due to COVID, if you are a white male and you were making 200000 a year last year, but now you have nothing, like it did not matter. If you lost your job due to COVID, we opened up Pep Up Tech to um, to them. And one of our, Michael Heikel, um, but it, he goes by Happy, and he is a, he's a white young man, um, went, came through the Salesforce Saturday community, learning Salesforce, and then he lost his job due to COVID. And he did, went through the Pep Up Tech program. And now he's turning around, he completed the program, and now he's teaching the program. You know, and he's been a godsend to our Pep Up Tech community and our students, you know, a great support system. Prior to COVID, he would not have qualified for Pep Up Tech and would not have been a resource for us to turn around because we need instructors and that's hard and we don't always have the funds to, to, um, to pay them. But that is how we have adjusted, you know, raising funds virtually um, and opening it up to COVID. We were already doing virtual programs, but, um, but that's how we're doing it right now. I'm trying to get grants to, you know, still trying to, to raise funds. Nick has helped us with PR, use his company's PR so that we didn't have to dig into our funds and keep it dedicated. Um, to Pep Up Tech, but that is one of the main ways that we have um, adjusted and it's, it's had a really nice silver lining. That's great. What does success look like for you guys at Pep Up Tech? Is there an end goal or is it something that you'll always be working towards? There's always going to be a community that's misrepresented and that's who we're here to serve. So right now, um, you know, it's minorities and the people that, you know, lost their jobs to COVID. If COVID taught us anything, it's that. Our goal is to get people through our program and get them that first job quickly and get them into the ecosystem and learning and growing their skill set and then leveling them up to grow to, to instead of staying here for so long, many will just stay here for years. But getting them into the ecosystem, get that job and then get them to quickly go up to the next level and to the next level to where we have people owning the instances where they are driving business decisions and teaching them those soft skills and scaling that so that then they can quickly turn around and we can just, you know, make that a well-oiled machine. We're getting more people in because there's so many jobs and not enough people to do it. The biggest challenge is getting hiring managers comfortable with hiring people who don't have a lot of experience on the technical side, but yet they have the business acumen. They have the business experience. That's what I had. I had the, the background with Dell and Apple and small startups. That's why I did so well. And that I was willing to learn. I had that growth mindset. I was always learning. Our sales for Saturday mantra is to always be learning. Um, but I came in at a time when there wasn't, there was really not enough. So it was easier for me to get a job. If I were to come into the ecosystem right now today, nobody would hire me. It would take me a long time to get a job because hiring managers are looking at it the wrong way. They're focusing on the technical experience and that's the wrong thing to be focusing on. We can teach the technical. Salesforce has done an amazing job with a free trailhead program platform to learn and to learn the right way and best practices. Um, it's just getting hiring managers to also have the growth mindset that they expect of the people they hire, getting them to have that growth mindset and to be thinking differently about how they hire talent 
we are skilling them up. They're getting trained by people who actually do the job and who are very good at it. It's getting them to take the risk and the chance and understanding that it's actually not a risk, that you're doing better off hiring somebody that comes to this program than someone who's out there just kind of teaching it them by themselves and on their own. Like with our students, they come with a built-in network. If they run into a problem, they've got us on speed dial. They've got Salesforce Saturday. They've got mentors that they can reach out to. This community is very, very inclusive and um, just, they just want to help each other succeed. So for me, it's that it's getting them that first job quickly, like having once they complete our program for them to be able to go right into a job. That would be beautiful. Like to have an internship, have a job where they be, they're being skilled up by uh, someone who's already on the job, who does the job and they're continuing the work that we do. Um, that would be the number one for us. And then continuing to develop them and nurture them and level them up. Do you see other people in the tech industry pushing forward or supporting diversity and inclusion initiatives? And if so, who have been your biggest allies? Um, I see a lot of talk about it. I know people want to. There are so many companies that they want to do it. They just don't know how to go about doing it. And they're also, I think they're also fearful of doing it the wrong way because so many that are running the show are white and male. And so they don't know how to do it. They, they don't know what we as underrepresented or females go through. So that I think they, there's a little paralysis there that they're afraid to make the wrong move. So therefore they're moving a lot slower than they should be. I think more of them um, need to hire people that have been in it. If you're taking it seriously, compensate them and make them feel like, that, know that they can trust you and that you're going to do the right thing. And that, um, and then give the support. Like the, once you bring people in, you know, for so long, people like myself, it's like I was the only one and then there would be another one. There would be two of us. Um, that's hard. That's a, that's a, that's, that's a weight to carry to be the one who represents, uh, a, you know, a whole group. And then if you don't get it right and then if they don't, because they don't think the same way, it's a battle to get things done. And that's exhausting. So, you know, making sure that they have a good support system. Um, and that, you know, a lot of people that are, you know, that are in these positions need to educate themselves, like really educate themselves and be having one-on-one -on -one conversations with people of color who are in their, in their roles. And like, they, they, you know, they want us to come in and do this. They've also got to put some work into it and educate themselves and get to know people um, like us who are in their roles to, so that they understand what, what it is to, you know, work in tech as an underrepresented. But I think, you know, I think the, the, the heart is in the right place. They just got to you know, get over that fear and start, you know, measuring it, compensating it, just like with anything else. Um, you know, you, you put your money where you, you know, with your mouth is and, you know, you compensate and you measure. Um, and that's how you continue to grow and do better. You, you, year over year, you, you see how that's going and you adjust. Nobody's going to expect it to be perfect, but you got to start. Like we, we don't have time to wait and slow down. And especially in this pandemic, so many people of color are on the front lines because they have no other choice and it shouldn't be that way. Um, there is a shortage in tech and we can scale these people up. The work, the work that they're doing on the front lines, that's what we should be automating. We as tech should be automating the work that they do so then we can pull them into tech and get the, their diverse way. They, they've been in it and get them looking and helping us improve tech. It's important that you mention that no one person should have to represent an entire community. It's added pressure, stress, and anxiety that shouldn't be there. 
And I'll close it out with this. You have a long list of accolades and have spearheaded so many incredible initiatives that are still up and running today. You co-founded a nonprofit and so much more. Where do you see yourself going from here? Ooh, I, you know what? I'm trying to figure that out myself. Um, you know, before COVID, I thought I had it all figured out and COVID hit. It's, it's definitely had me rethinking a lot of things. And, and, be, and also because of COVID, other opportunities have bubbled up. I like to be behind the scenes, but I've learned and I've gotten better. And it's like, okay, I can, I can do this. I can do this. And so you're definitely doing more speaking, you know, especially with, with what's going on with diversity and inclusion and knowing at first it was, um, it was hard because it was like, you know, it's, it's, there are heavy topics and it can be a lot, but trying to figure out like, how do I use my voice in the most efficient way um, is what I'm trying to, to figure out next. Stephanie, thanks so much for joining us on Voices for Our Future. We really loved having you. Thanks for listening to Voices for Our Future. Learn more about Bloom Communications at bloomcommunications.com and our season one sponsor, Campus Advantage, at campusadv.com. Make sure to follow and share if you like our content. And don't forget to stay tuned for more soon.